0: Clap for that, you stupid bastard. Who's going to win it? The Celtics. I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was funny. 1-800-CALL-JOE. I play the catch Ketchup Podcast. Please clap. Welcome back to playing Ketchup, your favorite podcast that comes out every so often. I'm not going to say every week. I'm not gonna say every other week. I'm not even gonna say every month. I'm just gonna say every so often you may find yourself with an episode of this in your Spotify or Apple feed. Or whatever else you use for listening to this. Anyways, I'm Brian, just here by myself this time. Um gonna kinda gonna come at you with some Olympic takes. We are about a week into the Olympics at this point. Um And I mean, the COVID does make it all weird, but I think it's quite exciting as it always is, which leads into what I want to do first is unveil a new segment called The Long Take. So you see Everett, you know, from time to time, he does his quick takes where I give him 30 seconds to answer a question. You see, um, I wanted to create something where I could talk for as long as I wanted to. Um, and I'm going to, it's just for me. So he can't do that, which really shows you, um, how this, um, shoddily run operation is shoddily run. So without further ado, here's the long take. The Olympics may be the best version of sports there is better than the NFL, better than March Madness, better than, better than the Kentucky Derby, whatever you look for in a sporting event, the Olympics has it. So let's run down some of these things. Prestige. That's one of them. The Stanley Cup, Larry O'Brien, Lombardi Trophy, the Louis Vuitton case for the Larry O'Brien Trophy. All of these prestigious things are deeply steeped in storied pasts. They're also exclusive. Only the best of the best get to hoist a championship trophy in professional sports. Prestige and exclusivity are what bring sports their majesty. And who has the most prestige and exclusivity? The Olympics. It began in Athens in like 1896, which is a while ago. That's a storied prestigious past. I'd call that prestige. The Olympics also has some exclusivity to it too. It only occurs every four years and it's always in a cool place. The Super Bowl, you know, they can just be like uh, Minnesota, uh, Tampa, Decatur. You never have that with the Olympics. It's always somewhere really cool. Except for Sochi, which was a little strange. You also need drama, rivalries, animosity between athletes to have a great sporting event. You know, beyond normal competition, having a shared context of beef, so to speak, really amplifies all the matchups between teams or athletes or whatever. Red Sox-Yankees is pretty exciting. You know, there's a shared beef history over the years, Um, Curse of the Bambino, all that stuff. It's all baked into every time the Red Sox and the Yankees meet. But it really is just sports. It doesn't really mean anything, you know? However, in the Olympics, you get real, real conflict. Russia versus the US, that's a real rivalry right there. Cold War, the 2016 election, Rocky IV. That takes the cake over the curse of the Bambino and that time Johnny Damon switched teams. Every two years, you get Olympic events that sort of mirror geopolitical conflicts of the time. So in this Olympics, you have uh, Chinese athletes competing against athletes from Taiwan and Hong Kong. In previous Olympics, you had uh, Ukraine teams dom- trying to dominate over Russian teams. It never really worked out because you know the Russian is, a, is an Olympic powerhouse of sh- somewhat shady origin. The most iconic American sports moment of all time, the Miracle on Ice, happened at the Olympics in 1980 when the American hockey team upset the Soviet Union. Do you want to know why it's the most iconic? Beef. Rivalry. United States. USSR. Doesn't get any more heightened conflict than that. What else do you want in a sporting event? You want a deep connection between the athletes and the teams that are rooting for. Every Brooklyn Nets fan can tell you about this. They can give you the story the first time they ever bought a Brooklyn Nets jersey and proudly wore it around this past February. But in American professional sports, the connection between the athletes and the communities that root for the team that they play for is usually loose at best. You usually end up rooting for whatever player happens to be on the payroll for the team that Happens to currently reside somewhere near where you live. Um, But that's not really, you know, a deep connection. What deeper connection could an athlete have to a community than to be competing for their country? The stakes, the pressure, but also the potential reward and fame could not be any higher. You have the entire weight of the country on your back and the cheers of the whole country in your corner. Winning a gold medal for your country on the international stage of the Olympics is, in my opinion, far more rewarding for athletes than winning a championship for the team that just so happened to draft you or gave you the best offer in the off season. Every two years, the Olympics serve up moments that you do not find anywhere else in sports. Just look at this year's Olympics where the 17-year-old Lydia Jacoby from Seward, Alaska won a gold medal. You wouldn't really come across that kind of moment in the NBA. I think the Olympics are the perfect encapsulation of what sports offers And I think it's the most captivating and exciting to watch. Now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about some of the biggest stories coming out of the Olympics so far. I think the first one that is definitely on a lot of people's minds, at least right now, and this is a developing situation, so by the time this podcast comes out, it might have changed a little bit. But the major story on everyone's minds right now is Simone Biles. For those who do not know, uh, Simone Biles was a member of the... Uh, U.S. Olympic women's gymnastic team. She's widely regarded to be the greatest uh, gymnast of all time. And recently, uh, prior to the team final for Team USA, um, she was messing up in a few places that Simone Biles does not usually mess up in. Um, what that took the form of is she, you know, kind of got lost in... Um, the turns she was doing midair, you can There was a noticeable shift in which she seemed like she forgot what she was supposed to be doing. Um, she, you know, slipped on the mat a few times when she come came down from a landing. Um, it just didn't seem like she was necessarily all there. And Simone Biles decided to pull out of the team final, and then earlier today she announced she'd be pulling out from the individual finals as well so it's you know remains to be seen whether or not we'll see Simone Biles anymore competing in this Olympics she's still there rooting for her teammates and for uh the the men's gymnastics team um but I think that the there has been a varied reaction to this story um and I, I mean from what I've seen from you know the normal uh mainstream media it's been a pretty um reasonable, and well-thought-out response. You know, Simone Biles, she was in every commercial. She was in every uh, uh, promo for the Olympics. She was on the Today Show all the time. She was on magazine covers. She was all over social media leading up to the Olympics. Um, you know, there was a commercial where Simone Biles was um, standing next to, a like, a, a real-life animal goat. Um, and I think that... You know, when you build up a player um, in any situation to this extent, it becomes difficult to rise to the occasion. And it's not a knock against Simone Miles to say that it's difficult to rise to the occasion. Everyone's saying that you're the greatest of all time, and you're going to win every gold medal by such an amazing margin. That puts a, you know, a lot of pressure on somebody. And Simone had quotes where she was saying, that she felt like she had the weight of the world on her shoulders. And um, I-, I think that it makes sense for Simone Biles to have pulled out of a situation because it- and it- most people don't really, I-, I guess, understand this piece of it. Gymnastics is not like a lot of other sports in which if you mess up, your um, risk of injury skyrockets. It's not like swimming where... You know, you're losing, it's just you didn't go fast enough. And, you know, nothing really happens to you except you don't, you don't win. Um, in, in gymnastics, if you start messing up, you're landing wrong. And that means you increase your um, risk of hurting your, you know, ACL in some way. Um, so, for Simone to, I think what she was saying was, in a few moments, she was caught on, on a hot mic um, saying, like, it would be stupid to not pull out or something along those lines. So what she's fearing in that moment is not only, you know, if I do poorly, am I going to bring the, the team score down? If I do poorly, this might end my career. You know, she might retire after this Olympics, who knows? But she, you know, there's a lot on the line, even more than um, I'm nervous in this moment or I might be having a panic attack. There's a lot of more stuff at play than just that sort of a question goes to how do we make sure that this doesn't happen in the future for athletes and I think that it's something that um, you know you can't really stop from happening from you know these players in in any situation these athletes getting hyped up into such a you know frenzy where if they they feel like if they don't perform to the highest highest mark that it's going to be a total disappointment. You know, one of her quotes after pulling out was, um, I hope America still loves us after they only won the silver medal. Um, you know, I don't think you'll be able to get a, get rid of that association between, you know, what everyone's expecting from me. And if I don't get that, you know, that, that mental aspect is not going to go away. I think what people have to do more is to be even more accepting of athletes who have mental health. Um, issues especially in games you know if if Kevin Durant for example discovered that he had a torn ACL prior to the NBA finals you wouldn't expect Kevin Durant to continue on and play on a torn ACL during the NBA finals it just wouldn't make sense for him for his team for his career Um, and you wouldn't expect that of him and I think we have to start treating um, mental health situations in the same way we do with physical health. Um, it, cause in a lot of ways it's the same thing, you know, people are being very accommodating of Simone in a lot of situations while I'm sure there are, you know, there are some major detractors. Um, but you no, know, the commentators on NBC were sort of like, well, at least we can rest assured that it's just a mental health problem. Maybe we shouldn't be downplaying it in that way because I think it, it is just as major as if, you know, Simone, um you know, tore her Achilles or something and said, I can't do the Olympics. I have, I've tore my Achilles. I can't play. I think, th- think we have to, you know, mature to a point as a society where we recognize that those two things are, are more similar than we previously thought. Let's turn to, to swimming now, um, which I think has become, at least personally, the, one of the most exciting Olympic events to watch. Um, I grew up, Watching Michael Phelps and it sort of felt after the 2016 uh, Olympics that maybe swimming would run into a similar issue that golf is experiencing now with the loss of Tiger Woods where, you know, golf during the age of Tiger, you know, the ratings soared and the interest was at an all time high. And I think you could have a, you can make a good case that a similar thing happened with swimming. And then Michael Phelps is gone. And then the concern is, is this still exciting to watch? Um, is it gonna get as much ratings as far as the ratings? I don't really know so far I don't know if those figures have come out yet But for me personally, I feel like there's a ton of stars that are able to fill those shoes um, Both on the men's side and the women's side. So a sort of direct successor to Michael Phelps would be someone like Caleb Dressel who I think um, Might have already won one gold medal. I'm not entirely sure um, I feel like a lot of his events are coming up in the coming days past when this is going to be recorded. Um, Kayla Dressel, you know, he already looks good and he competed with Michael Phelps a little bit in the last Olympics. Katie Ledecky, obviously greatest female swimmer of all time, probably. Um, the 1500 meter uh, event that she did was amazing, um, to watch. Not necessarily, I don't know, amazing to watch is the right word, but, um, it was impressive, it was an impressive win. <laughs> you know, the, the 1500 meter was like a 15 minute event and they had a commercial like during, during the, the, the race. That was impressive to watch. Um, her earlier events, she got fifth directly before that and she got silver um, earlier in the Olympics. Uh, Titmus has really given her a run for her money And um, I think that, you know, those sorts of things really prove one's dominance once over again because if you can inspire people to, um, you know, become the best version of themselves so that they can beat you, I feel like that's a measure of your greatness as well. And then you have Lily King, who her big event was the Breathstroke. She got uh, silver in that event. Um, or Bronze, I'm not sure. She didn't get gold. Um, which is a different story. But um, I think Lily King is an exciting athlete. It's a very interesting one because of of her um, conflict with the Russian um, swimmer, Emfova, I think her name is, Efimova. I I have no idea. Um, But they had that sort of finger-wagging thing that went on during the 2016 Olympics. You thought there was going to be that similar controversy or conflict there again, didn't happen this time as much because the Russian was far behind her. It was also an exciting race because of one of the um, other bigger moments of the Olympics so far. Lydia Jacoby, the seventeen-year-old swimmer from Seward, Alaska, who I mentioned in the the long take earlier, that was an impressive win. You didn't really see that coming. Been, you know, uh, she had a really she had a good uh, Olympic trials. Um, seemed like maybe she was gonna, you know. Could get on the podium, but to upset Lily King, who is definitely a shoe in for that event. And they kept knocking Alaska in a couple ways. Like the guy, um, the announcer was sort of like, you don't really see swimmers coming from Alaska. Um, which was, you know, I mean, you, you just saw one. And she'll definitely have a place in the 2024 Olympics, probably competing in some more events then. And the last thing on the USA side... Um, the men's basketball team continues to be perplexing. Um I, I, I don't think it we don't necessarily have to have the same panic button things that everyone else is doing right now, where they're saying like the the United States is definitely not gonna win gold. It doesn't look as good for us as it has in the past with basketball. Um, but I think that it's not necessarily as dire a situation as it's being made out to be. You know, we still have Kevin Durant. We still have Jason Tatum. We still have Dame Lillard. I think we're going to be, you know, all right. I I don't think that those initial losses are going to mean so much for us later on. I could definitely be completely wrong. And if so, you know, play this clip over and over again for history. But um, it is a little surprising to see you... uh, To see the basketball team lose in the preliminary round, that hasn't happened since 2004 in Athens when um, we only won the bronze in that uh, in 2004. So, you know, sad. I I don't think it's the same situation, though, where the best players we had in 2004 were like Carmelo, uh, D-Wade, and LeBron all before their their primes. Um, We have Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum and Dame Lillard. I think we're going to be okay. Um, and Devin Booker, you know, you forget about that. He's pretty good, too. So we don't have the best players in the tournament. I think Luka is probably the best player in the tournament. Um, and if Giannis was playing, I don't think that we would be able to say we had a better player than Giannis and our team. I do think, though, if, the, if Team USA loses, I think the blame should be as much on our players as it is. Um, LeBron and Steph and the other players who decided not to join. Um, I think LeBron's whole rationale about it was that he wanted to, like, promote Space Jam. What, what better way to promote Space Jam than do it at the Olympics, you know? You could be appearing on talk shows from the Olympics. It would be so exciting. Everyone would be like, wow, this is amazing. I can't wait to see this movie. Then You know, it's ultimately not so good. All right, and some final stray thoughts for you. Some little a little rundown. Um, Here's a list of sports that I forgot about. Uh, The triathlon. I forgot that that was the whole thing, that you start like running, then you get in the water and then you bike home. I probably got the order of those wrong. Another sport I forgot about was water polo. Um, You know, you're, you're reminded of the regular polo from time to time, whenever you see someone wearing a Ralph Lauren polo shirt. Um, you're like, oh, yeah, the, the horsey with the stick and the stuff. Um, water polo, though, is a, is a completely different sport. There's no horses involved, um, and it's played in water. Um, it's an exciting sport to watch. I watched the Japan-Ruse United States match. It was exciting. I, I was, you know, entertained briefly. Another event I forgot about was synchronized diving. I'm not sure that I knew this was a sport to begin with. So basically what synchronized diving is is that you have two people on diving boards next to each other and they have to remain, uh, you know, I- I mirror images of each other throughout the entire dive. Uh, I don't know what necessarily that proves about you. You know, it's not necessarily a great feat af- athleticism. I don't really know what the purpose of it is um, or the purpose of most of these things. I mean, it's just sports. It doesn't really matter. Um, synchronized diving is a little weird, though, and I'm not sure where that came from and whose idea that was. Um, But it's you know interesting to watch somewhat a question that I keep asking is how do you train for these events? Um, One of the ones that I've Recently gotten into is canoe slalom So if you don't know what canoe slalom is, it's you know, it's like ski slalom where you go down the mountain You have to like avoid pylons and you go through different things. It's just like that But with the canoe in the water Another sport where you don't know what the origin of it is, like whose idea was that. Um, but how would you train for a canoe slalom event in your home country? Is there a canoe slalom course near everybody? Is there like a river someplace where they were doing this? Because you've if you've seen this, it's like an actual highly engineered course where there's, you know, downhill water and they have to move through things and stuff. Um, Not necessarily something you could easily replicate in your backyard. I don't know how that one was being trained for during COVID. Another question I've asked myself repeatedly throughout these Olympics is which Olympic event should we take back to America and replace the NFL with as the fourth professional sport? We're going to keep the NHL, baseball, and basketball. We're going to get rid of football and we're going to replace it with one sport I'll take your suggestions, but mine definitely has to be volleyball, either beach volleyball or indoor volleyball. We could, you know, maybe you could do like a sort of winter classic type thing where in the summer you do the beach volleyball version and the two, you know, most exciting teams that get to go out in the beach and play volleyball. I think indoor volleyball is pretty exciting. It takes a lot of elements of like dunking a basketball, but also, you know, blocks and some elements of tennis. And it's, you know, a quick sport. You get in there and get out. Um, I, I feel like there could be some cool TikTok highlights of it that people could watch and people could share. Um, I think that's a good one to replace the NFL with. And the final topic of today is the Olympic event that I think I could win. You know, the easy easy one to go with is coxswain um, in, in the rowing when you're the person that steers the boat and tells people to go fast. Um, I don't know that I have the, you know, the rhythm and skill to do that, that you would require for that. Um, I told myself that I was going to watch, uh, you know, the video where they showed all the events and decide which one I was gonna do. Um, I didn't do that. So I'm gonna have to leave this as a cliffhanger for the next episode. So in between you listening to this and you listening to the next one, think to yourself, what event should Brian do? And then I'll tell you which event I wanna do. And then you can tell me if you thought that that was the one that I was gonna say. All right. right. So I was left to my own devices, did this myself. I think it wasn't as much of a train wreck as I was expecting it to be. Hopefully next time we can get Grant and Everett in here. Um, It is nine o'clock. I'm tired, I've just been hammering away on this Cast all day, so hope you enjoyed it, as I always say at the end of this, what do I usually say? Like something like, subscribe, send it to a friend, um, share this on social media, tell your mom if you liked it, I forget what I usually say, it's been some time, and it's quite late at night, so um, hopefully this was not too bad, thank you, and good luck.